Hey, you know, people ask me all the time, they say, what kind of church is Sugar Hill Church? That's a fair question because, you know, you, you see a lot of signs that say so-and-so Catholic church or so-and-so Methodist church or what's the deal, Presbyterian church or, or uh, the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth Baptist church or, you know, what, what, what kind of church is Sugar Hill Church? Well, we're the kind of church that really does believe the Bible is a very big deal. From, from the beginning of the book in the book of Genesis chapter 1, all the way through the end of the book of the Revelation, and maybe even into maps, we believe that God uses this as a tool and a roadmap for our life. How would we succeed wildly? Well, follow how God's instructed us to live. Now, when you believe that, then the second thing we believe most is that Jesus is the single biggest deal in the world. So when we get Jesus in the right priority in our life, then all of the rest of life seems to work so much easier. But if you do that, then you live it out through something that matters so much to us around here and that you will serve people in need both here and around the world. And so we take it seriously that this community is where God has placed us to make a big, big difference. So that's a good intro into today's teaching. And if you've got your Bible or you've got it on an app, go ahead and either punch it in or look for Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew's gospel, he begins telling us a parable in chapter, in, in chapter 25, verse 14. And the parable is the parable of the talents. Now, many of you have already heard this, or maybe if you grew up in church, you'd heard a lot about it. If you've heard preachers about it, normally this is put in the context of money, but this is not a money sermon. This is totally different. And so I don't want you to check out, but let me ask you something. Have you ever seen like this cool invention that everybody bought and you said, I could have done that. How many of you thought you could have invented fidget spinners? I know, go figure, right? I mean, seriously. Uh, here's, here's another one. The guy that came up with post-it notes. I mean, seriously. I mean, have you ever heard a song and said, that's the song I wanna sing? Well, for some of you shouldn't, but I mean, you know, that's, you read a book and thought, that's my book, I wanna, that's my story. You hear a talk and somebody says, wait a minute, that's what I wanna do. Or the guy buys a Corvette next to you and says, that's what I want. Or somebody has run the, this, this marathon and, and you're eating Cheetos and you think, that's what I want to do. By the way, I've never had that desire. <laughs> but you know, you look at that and you think, what is it that separates folks that seem to go out and do this incredible stuff from a lot of us? What happens in there? Did God have some type of unique and special and wondrous gift for them? Well, yes, no, but definitely yes. My friend Bobby McGraw, who preached for me last week, and by the way, just one of my favorite preachers in the world. Bobby, great job last week. Golly, man, that was awesome. Yeah, and um, he has these t-shirts on his, uh, on his uh, website that says, your story matters. And when, every time I see that on his website or I see Hector wearing the free shirt that he gave him, I am always shocked that we forget how much our story really matters. Our story truly, uniquely matters. Now, if you're sitting here and you're saying, but Chuck, I don't have a story. Don't give up hope. Don't, don't sweat that. I genuinely believe if you look at people, say like Mother Teresa, you're probably not gonna go to the Calcutta slums and serve like Mother Teresa. You, you may not change the course of American history like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You, you, may, you may not change the world through the work of evangelist Dr. Billy Graham. We were all given the same seconds they had, the same minutes they had, the same hours and days they had. It was just something unique that they did and we look at them and think, wow, those people genuinely changed the world. 
Well, I truly believe that every child of God has a unique and wondrous gift that God has given them. And I truly believe that every child of God, somewhere deep in their soul, has a space that is like a puzzle that's a gift box, and it, it's there. You see, when we trust Jesus, where we say, wait a minute, I, I understand God, our creator, sustainer of all life. I realize that Adam and Eve enter, let sin enter into the world. From that moment on, we've all been sinful, selfish people, but God loves us so much as our heavenly father that he sent his son, Jesus, that he might die, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and then raised from the dead to sit by the father in heaven and we could join him, all those who believe. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Chuck. Okay, that's the first part of the Trinity, God the Father. Then I understand Jesus the Savior is the second part of the Trinity, but what about this third part? Well, maybe you grew up in a place that was, he was known as the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God. And you realize that the gift that Jesus gave you when you trusted him for heaven, when you trusted him forgive you, was he gave you that gift that perfectly fit into the puzzle that was empty for the gift and giftedness you were to use both for the glory of the kingdom and for the honor of God. That he has called in every one of us and placed in every one of us a unique and wondrous gift that he wants us to put into place. But I know folks in this church who have been Christians, who've been followers of Jesus for 30 years, and that box is still where it was the minute Jesus gave it to them. That box has got cobwebs over it and it's layered over it and tons of spaghetti sauce and lasagna and garlic rolls and cheesecake and it's just covered up, and, but there's cobwebs on it way down in your belly and you're just like, I don't have a gift. I'm just waiting for heaven. Can you imagine a God who loves you so much that there's nothing you can do to make him not love you? Can you imagine a God saying, your only plan is I want you to know my son Jesus. I want you to be saved. I want you to, I want you to go to heaven. But between now and heaven, y'all just kick back and do nothing. Now, I'm fearful that's, that's a, what a lot of church folks do. Where we feel like, well, you know, Chuck, I don't, I don't have a kind of compassionate heart like Mother Teresa. I, I don't have the, the, the gift to rally up the whole world like Martin Luther King Jr. I don't, I don't have the ability to speak like Billy Graham. Okay, I don't either. Heck, I can't preach and look what I do for a living. Come on. I mean, seriously, people, the Lord has this extraordinary plan for you and he's calling that out from us saying, let's do this. I want you to open up and do this. Well, I know that I know that I know. Martin Luther King, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, they just opened up that gift and put it to work. Listen to what the text says in Matthew 25, 14, because I believe Jesus taught us his desire and his expectation of our gifts. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. 
The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give him account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags to invest. I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you more, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who'd received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness and where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen to me, friend, the divine has more than a plan for your life. He has already equipped you to fulfill that plan. Now you're saying, Chuck, I, I don't know about that. I can't sing. I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't. Well, Marty Jordan, I think, is one of the most extraordinary people. I don't fully understand what Marty does, but here's my take on it. She goes into one of those rental places where you store all your junk, and then she she retrains or fires people and hires people and then all of a sudden the thing makes money again and marty is one of those people that all the time says how can i serve and help the church and you say well chuck is that a gift well let me t tell you something marty can do just about anything she's a gift to this church to the kingdom she's a gift because of what she does and how she does it i see old kevin sterner sitting back there i don't know of anybody who takes their gift and does more for the kingdom with it than kevin sterner does i don't know anybody who is more concerned than trying to flesh out and fulfill all god has in store for kevin sterner than kevin does i look at that and there are many 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 of you that are doing the very same thing where you've gone in and that that box that gift you have untied and you've opened the box and you realize what god wants to do something with me and then many of us have looked at it and said, ooh, I don't know about that. Lord, you want me to simply be a nice person, and my boss is the biggest jerk on the planet. Yeah. Well, I want another gift. Doesn't work that way. That's the gift. Well, Chuck, I don't want to preach. Okay. Can you, can you open your home to people and be gracious? Well, Chuck, my goal is to make money. Good for you. Make billions if you can, and then do something for the kingdom with it. But whatever you do, don't get up tomorrow morning and know you've got that gift in you and stuff it down with French toast and say, I don't think so. I'm doing all right on my own. Because the worst words any of us could ever say is this, I sure wish I would have. 
I'm 57, about to be 58 years old. I do not want to turn back when I'm 16 and say, Lord, I wish I would have. I know you called me to do this, but Lord, I've just, I've got these really weird insecurities and I don't want to fail. I don't like it when I fail. I've got these really peculiar ways I like to do things and I drive people crazy. And the Lord says, I know I made you so perfectly for this. Just don't be an idiot and leave it alone. I think the Lord talks to me that way, by the way. He understands my language. You see, if you, if you realize that that Bible we say is such a big deal, promises that Jesus, we say the biggest deal, gave us the gift of his spirit, and that is working within us. One of his greatest works is to call from what is in us, out of us, for the kingdom and the glory in this universe. He's called it out of us for his glory and for your good. But he's also called it out for the benefit of the saints. He's called it out for the benefit of the church. But once again, listen, churches across the world, not just this one, are filled with people sitting in a chair on Sunday morning for one hour, tolerating a sermon, halfway engaged in the music, can't wait to walk out the door, can't wait to get to Charlie's and get that warm bread and you put the honey butter on and you know it's fried and it drips down your chin and you want to dip it in. It's just, you know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't get this weight in grilled chicken and broccoli. But listen to me. If you're looking to make sure your life counted, if you're looking to make sure your life counts, if you're looking to say at whatever you age, your age is today, I, I want it to be different in the future. Why in heaven's name would we not get rid of the fear and the insecurity and the expectation and recognize, God, you've already equipped me to do everything that you have called me to do. You see, I believe this parable teaches us that success on this earth is a measure of our work. I believe with all my heart the product of our work here on this earth can be measured in success, but success comes in a lot of different packages. I mean, in Genesis, God placed Adam in the garden, and after sin entered the world, work became difficult, didn't it? I mean, how many of you had to deal with a jerk this week? Anybody? Yeah. Why did my staff raise their hand? And so... The challenge for all of us is a sense that, wait a minute, the gift that the, that the creator has given me through his spirit is calling me to be a part of changing the world, not just go to the office and do my thing. But I want you to notice that inside this, it ought to count in our work. I know many of you, when you go to work, part of your job is in your mind and in your heart and in your soul is, I want to make sure I'm trying to live for Christ. I want to make sure that for the cause of Christ, where I'm out counts and makes a difference. I want to make sure that the Lord has equipped me and I've opened up the box and I've let it get out and I'm, I'm out there and about it. And yet I know many of you are like, no, no, keep the box down. I don't know what the Lord's going to ask, but that might freak me out. Now watch this, okay? This is... This is some deep theological teaching. You ready? If the Lord God himself through his spirit has taken that box and has placed it into the appropriate part in your soul, when you open that box and say, Lord, I'm going to let it get out, you can love Jesus with all your heart, your mind, and your soul 
and you do not have to be weird. How about that? You say, mean Chuck, I can, I can still go to movies? Lord, I hope so. We watched two the other night, back to back. It was so stupid. You mean, Chuck, I, mean, I, can, I can wear regular clothes and love Jesus? Please, I'm begging you. You mean I don't have to stand on the corner and scream at people and tell people what's wrong with them? Please don't. You mean, Chuck, I can read my Bible and it doesn't really matter which of those versions I'm using, but it's on my phone? Please do. Well, Chuck, I'm a pretty normal dude. I'm a pretty normal lady. How good. Listen, when we're called to be in but not of, I'll promise you that the Lord is asking you to be a part of something so uniquely special to you that he crafted the job for you. I promised the Lord I'd never be a preacher. I promised him I'd never be a pastor. I can't stand pastors. And here I am. And I think to myself, at 57, I am the most contented, fulfilled human I know right now. I got plenty of junk going on in my life. I got plenty of bad stuff going on. I got plenty of responsibility, but I am so grateful. Even though I was late, I untied the box and I let it get out and I found this sense of joy and I want it for you. I want you to put your head on the pillow at night and say, Lord, thank you. I got to be a part of your work. You see, this parable t teaches us God provides us with everything we need to accomplish what he's called us to. He has already done that. You've already got a PhD in how to do this. All you've got to do is open the box. Stop stuffing it down. Have you ever wondered what this talent that he handed out might be worth in money? You see, now this, this story is not about money. But now for some of you, it might be. But I really believe that in the grand scheme of things, this is, this is not about money. This is about the gift that the Lord has been given us. And he uses the term talents in there. But if you go back and study, you can feel sorry for the dude that only got one bag, can't you? It's like, hey, how come like Albert and John got five and three and two and I, I got one? Okay, so if, did you know that that bag of talents in today's money might be worth something around $1 million? What would you do with $1 million knowing that you'd only have 500 grand after the government took it? <laughs> you still wouldn't be whining, would you? It'd be like, whoa. Well, I know some of you would. I mean, some of you'd be like, oh, yeah, well, you know. And so, okay, so for those folks, just don't listen to them. You know what's interesting? Have you ever seen a billboard and it says 36 million mega jackpot? and you turn to whoever's in the car with you and say, what would you do with that money? And there's always somebody who's like, well, you know, I'd give it a lot of it away, and I'll tell you what I'd do, I'd, I'd, I'd pay off my house, and I'd buy a new house, and I'd set up a trust for my kids, and I'd give a lot of it to Sugar Hill Church so they get out of debt, and you know, I slipped that in right there. And <laughs> by the way, if you win the jackpot, I am not afraid of having that money to pay off, just don't be thinking that. Pastor H. Huckle put that to good use. But we look at that and we think, what would I do with all that? I believe the reason Jesus teaches us parable is when we sense that that talent is as valuable as what we would do with millions of dollars, he said, I have equipped you, I want to use you. But there's living proof that the Lord indeed wants to call us out of the squashed hopes and the dreams we had as a child. I don't know about you, but I wanted to be an astronaut. About the time I hit seventh grade, I realized, Chuck, one, you're just not the sharpest tool in the shed. You're probably not going to be an astronaut. 
But you know what? I, I've got more dreams today than I've ever had. When, when I hug Kevin Sterner's neck, sorry to pick on you, bud. It's like I, this guy's filled with so many dreams of what he wants to do for the Lord. When Jenny and I sit down and talk, she's one, she, she absolutely motivates me to go become everything that the Lord wants us to be because he's already provided for us. The servants were given enough to produce more. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This parable teaches us also that we're not all created equal. You say, whoa, Chuck, I'm done with that. I thought you were all about diversity. I thought you were all about equality. I am. But listen to what he said. In there, we are all valued at the same degree. But we're not all gifted in the same things or in the same way. God did not take this universal gift and say to Sugar Hill Church, all of you are to think this way, act this way, walk this way, believe this way, act. In. No. It was so uniquely personal that he knew the guy with five could handle it, the guy with two could handle it, and the guy with one, he had a shot, and he totally blew it. If you had that million bucks, would you put it under the mattress to never see it again? Or would you say, I can't wait to do something with it? I think I know the answer to that. But when I look at this, I think, wait a minute. We have to maximize the use of our talents, not for our own selfish gain, but to honor the divine. We know that we serve in a messed up world. It doesn't take long to figure that out. But what we know that we know that we know according to the scripture is that we should be able to put our head on the pillow with the peace and joy-filled satisfaction from doing all we could with all we had for the king who's come to give us life. There is no time in which we say, wow, Lord, I have loved you for 20 years. I'm done. I need a gold watch, maybe a luncheon. And the Lord say, no, 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 you're not done. You're not done at all. You say, well, Chuck, I'm already 68 and I'm tired. Okay, but you're not done. Dig down deep, find that box, open it up, and let it go. I cannot believe that any of us in this room would wake up tomorrow morning and earnestly look to the heavens and say, God, I don't want you to do one thing with me today. As a matter of fact, misery is high on my task list. I believe the Lord says, come on. You're going to work for the master, not for yourself. Wait a minute, though. We weren't all created equal, and we're going to work for the master, not ourselves. I mean, Chuck, that sounds a little harsh. Well, listen to what the text said about being created equal. Each according to his ability. Let me ask you a question. From what little do you know of this guy right here? Do you want me to perform brain surgery on you? Give me that drill. Do you want me to fly your plane? No. No. There's a lot of things you don't want. Do you want me to do your root canal? Give me some pliers. No. There's a lot of things that I'm simply not capable of doing that many of you are. And I look at this and I think to myself, not only are we not all created equal, but we're all, we're all created equally valuable. Whatever you're called to do, listen, have you ever wondered, why is it I'm not a millionaire as hard as I work? I mean, seriously. Well, you know why? Maybe that just wasn't the plan for you in your life. 
I've looked at my life and I've realized, you know what, Chuck, that, that once was a drive and a desire, and today it is, Chuck, look what happens when you're just obedient. Look what happens to your soul and your life when you just choose to let me take that gift, open it up, and let me go with it. Finally, I believe this parable shows us that we will be held accountable. Now, accountable, it's not a four-letter word, but I believe every human on the planet not only needs to be accountable to other people, but we are indeed accountable to the Lord God who gave us this gift. And what we do with it and what we don't do with it will definitely will be held accountable. The guy with five, what did he say? I brought back another five. The, the master was clear. Well done, good and faithful servant. To the person who, who did something with this, we're going to celebrate. To the guy with two, he did the same thing. And then the guy with one, it's like, dude, no, you're evil. You're lazy. You're slothful. Get out of here. I don't want the Lord to look at you. I don't want the Lord to look at us. I don't want the Lord to look at me and say, you know what? I gave you this gift. I equipped you with the gift. All you had to do was open the gift and you did nothing. You buried it deep in your soul like it was chained up in shackles and behind a jail door. And it's got cobwebs on it. And you're like, no, I'm not taking this chance because what if God wants to do something with me and I don't want him messing with my life? Then this is just like giving you a million dollars and you've dug a hole and you've buried it in your backyard and you said, I don't wanna take the risk of losing it. And the Lord is saying, that's evil. That's lazy. That's slothful. Don't, wait a minute, you've, you've been given this gift. And I said, Chuck, I don't have a gift. It's not there, I've searched. I, no gift. If, if you are not aware of the things that God is calling you to get out of you, one of two things is true. A, maybe there's never come a time that you said, Jesus, please forgive me. Come live in my life. I want to live for you. I want to turn my life around. I want to make a U-turn. I, I want to live for you, not me. Thank you for dying and raising from the grave to pay for my sin. And I want to trust you to be my Lord and my Savior. Because see, listen, when you choose Jesus instantaneously, automatically, miraculously, that gift is placed in your soul in the hole that only it can fill. And all you have to do is choose to do something with it. It's already there. It's already equipped. It's already waiting for you to open the box. And I know folks in this church who have been waiting with that box for so long, they need a Paul and Silas moment from the jail to let the shackles and the jail door open. There's Paul and Silas in the middle of the jail. They're, they're shackled two by two and they're shackled to the walls. They're shackled to the guards. The jail door is closed. And this one guy there is like, you ain't getting out. This is not happening. This is, your, your, your time's over. And what did they do? They didn't start saying, oh man, you know, I wish they did music different than that. Man, you, you know what, Lord, I, don't, I can't really pray at the work lunch thing, you know? It's a little inconvenient. And you know, that, you know that family that's really in need on my kid's ball team? It's like, come on, Lord, surely you don't want me to help with that, do you? No, you know what they did? They started singing and they started praying. And the scriptures say that the shackles fell off and the jail door flew open. 
and they walked out victoriously. And that one guy that was guarding them, he came back around and said, man, I don't know what's going on with you boys, but that's some of what I want. And he and his family said, I want that too. And that gift became his as well. Some of us have got that so locked down in our life that we need a Paul and Silas moment where we reach down and we clear out the cobwebs. We get to where the box is and we need to get the shackles off. We need to get the jail door open and we got to let it out. And what I want you to know is that just because it's been years or never since you've applied and reached down and grabbed that box and opened it, it is still there. Unless, of course, you really don't know Jesus as your Savior. To which I'd say, today's your day. I had a fellow about my age in the 930 service. I'm standing right down there. We, we never do like come forward invitations around here, hardly ever. And I did at 930. And I stood right there. And this dude about my age came up and he said, man, when I was a kid, I knew God wanted me to do ministry work. I have run every moment since that day. And I want God to start using me in my life. He said, I'm not even sure I'm saved. And we stopped and prayed together. I had a young African-American kid, an athlete from school, come up and he said, I, I, I want to live for Jesus. I've never given my life to Christ, so I don't know what my gift is. And I said, dude, let's pray. Let's do that right now. I saw men and women aged 68, 65, 42, 31. I saw kids up here that said, Lord, I, 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 I'm going to open that gift. Would you let me know how to open that gift? You see... The parable of the talent is not about salvation works for salvation. It's not about good works that earn you anything. Because the gifts that you've been given are for the glory of God. The gifts you've given are for the further of his kingdom. The gifts that you've been good, yes, you get the benefit of all that, but it's designed for the benefit of his kingdom many times through the local church. It's all about this one hyphenated word, which I, I, we've got to start grasping around this place and in this world. We've got to become whole life stewards of what the Lord has given us. Our gifts, our jobs, our homes, our families, our finances, but most importantly, dig down deep. A person that will unlock the gift that God has for them and chooses to let it go, all the rest of the silly stuff we measure as religiously successful may never happen, but God himself will look and say, that's my boy, that's my girl. And I'll promise you, his church will reign because of it, because he's used people just like you. Friend, listen. What we hear on the master that day all depends on what you choose to do with it. Are you willing to dig down deep? Friend, listen, you can hide your talents and the master's dream for you behind prison bars, well sealed with insecurity and with fear. You can hide it because of faithless fate, but you could also, like Paul and Silas, as they were chained and imprisoned, and they, and they surmised that all was lost. They dug deep in that prison cell and they got dug deep in the prison of their soul and they started singing and they started letting what was birthed in them up and out and let's go. And when they did, the shackles dropped off, the prison doors swung open and they walked out of jail like a boss and then they were used by God to lead that jailer back to God himself. Listen to me, friend. What in heaven's name are you waiting on? 
every day something happens around this church that can only be described by the power and the presence of God and his spirit working into your life. Why would you want to miss that? You say, well, Chuck, listen, I, I didn't come here for you to fuss at me. Please hear me. My desire is never to fuss at you, but my desire is to never let you sit here and become less than all God intended you to be. God himself today is reaching deep into your soul to remind you that gift is there because you've trusted Christ and now you have all you need and you're equipped for all you're to do and you're to use that gift to not be lazy, slothful, and evil. My friend, don't miss what's in you getting out of you. Let's pray. With heads bowed, with eyes closed. That second reason that you may not have that gift, that part B, is because you just, you just kind of somehow at one point or another, you trusted Jesus for heaven and just decided, man, I'll just wait it out. Maybe you had some bad experience at some church or this church, or maybe you, you ran across a season in your life and it was difficult. But I want you to invite Christ into your life right now. Now, if you're here, maybe you were saved and baptized as a kid, but you're just not sure, you don't know, man, don't play around with that. Get where you have that gift and you can open that gift and you're part of the plan God has for the redemption of mankind. So today, if your desire is to give Jesus your life, just, just say there quietly where you're at, Jesus, please forgive me of my selfishness and my sin. Come live in my life. I want to turn around and live for you. Thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead as payment for my sin. Thank you for the promise of heaven and for the gift that you've placed in my soul today. Nobody's looking around. I'd never embarrass you. But if today you said, that's my prayer, Chuck, that's what I want, would you just kind of lift your hand up quietly so I can see who you are, just so I can know? Amen. 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 Yeah, folks all over this room. And there's another group of folks in here, and you've been saved for years. And man, that, that gift, it's just never really fully developed. You've never really opened the box, and church attendance was kind of your thing. But you say, Chuck, I'm willing to come to the altar. I'm willing to draw a line in the sand. I'm willing to say, whatever my past is, my past. But God's not going to, he can't stop loving me. So I'm going to trust. But Lord, I, I want to bring that to an altar. I want to leave my past behind. And I want to move forward and open that gift and use it for the kingdom. And use it for his glory and use it for my good. And if that's the desire of your heart, we just raise your hand. Let me see who you are. Yeah, 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 all over this room. So in a minute, Hector's going to sing. I'm going to pray. And uh, if today you, want, you say, I've given my life to Christ, would you be so kind and be so bold to just step out in an aisle after we're standing and just come to me? Man, that dude that came to me at 930, folks, we hadn't even started singing. Man, he just made a beeline. 
If you're here and you need to get to this altar and draw a line in the sand, listen, I've told you a thousand times, there's nothing magical about the altar, but there's something holy and righteous about our posture on our knees before holy God. All it takes is one or two people that make their way to the altar when we start singing. All it takes is somebody that says, man, I want to follow Jesus today. So Lord God, do what only you can do. Thank you. You took your word today and as poorly and as feebly as it may have been presented, Lord, you, you spoke into the hearts of men and women and you fulfilled that promise again and again. So for every person that said, yeah, I want Jesus today, Lord, give them the courage when we sing, when we stand, just to just come see me or come see Bobby so we could pray with them. We'd never embarrass them. Lord, for folks who want to come to this altar, then just, God, give them the courage to just come here and leave whatever the challenge is behind so they can open the gift today and start new. Lord, you are more than good. You're awesome and wondrous in this place. So we ask you to do what only you can do in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And amen.